everybody. Welcome back to the Weekender round two. It's been a big week. Here we are. Here we are. It's uh, it's great. It's yeah. How good's footy? There's so many storylines, so many headlines. Um, big news. Um, it's great. I was thinking about that today, listening to all the all the talk back. Monday's always a big day after the weekend, and it's just yeah, it's great to have it all back. Oh, it's yeah, it's superb. I mean. We're two rounds in and it already feels like we've been watching footy for the last 10 weeks with the talk everyone's having. Like some teams are already done for the year if you listen to the media and some teams have already got the flag in the bag. So it's great. It's great to have back. Talking points are all there and it's yeah, it's all a part of it, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's great. What, what, what was your uh, what was your, your favourite moment from the weekend? Was it was it the Tigers uh, almost getting rolled by the Crows or? That one, yeah, that, that one, I lost a few more hairs off the top of my head after that, I reckon. It was... <laughs> That was stressful. I didn't need that to add to my weekend. I thought 45 points up at half time. I thought, you, you beauty, we're on here. Um, we're going to blaze away. And next thing I know, Rochelle is celebrating like an animal after kicking two goals. And I thought, oh, God, here they come. And sure enough, they got, they got to within a point. And it was uh, yeah, very heart-wrenching. But we managed to hold on in the end, which was good. But I think my favorite moment was uh, Samson Ryan um, coming in for his second game and kicking three goals. The kids mm. uh, had a long time on the, on the in the twos. And Earned his spot, so it was good to have him. That was my favorite yeah, he, moment. He was very impressive, wasn't he? Yeah, extremely, extremely, yeah. extremely impressive. So I was Looks raw, focusing but... him. We, we've uh, before we keep going, we've got a, a comment very early from Christaki Maureen. Does Luke Beveridge survive the season? It's a great question. It's it's mm. an early debate to get onto, but it's a great question because the dogs are currently zero and two. And their fixture in the next few weeks isn't the easiest run. Like I was listening to Channel 7 News before, that could, could potentially be 0-6 and six to start the year. And I think once you go 0-4, 0-5, that's kind of finals a wrap almost, isn't it? It's hard to come back from. Um, there's even talk like there's like a crazy stat that teams that go 0-2 and two really make finals as well. So it's a bit, I think it's a little bit premature. Like we're only a couple of rounds in. There's 20, 21 more to go. Um, but, yeah, the signs aren't great. They haven't been playing great footy. Um, but I think they've got the quality that to turn it around for sure. Um, you look at their midfield, their stack, their forward line, their defence. Like they've, got, they've got stars all over the field. So I think I think they've got enough to turn it around. It's just not, it's just not pretty at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, it's not really happening for them. I don't know what missing pieces to the puzzle there are. But I think they're going to find them, and Luke Beveridge is going to find them and start putting them together real quick. Because if they lose another one or two, then it's like you said, it's too early. But it, you, some people are going to start calling it season wrap if they don't uh, win one of the next two or three games. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what the dogs do from there. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, the team that they played as well, the Saints. Geez, they were they were very impressive. Their their young players are are looking the goods, you know, especially the Poo Mateus, as you are as poo. you are. <laughs> It's it, mate. Um, that nickname is going to stick. It's rolling around. It's not, I didn't come up with it, obviously, but it's rolling around. The poo's going to stick. So don't worry about that. But yeah. no, he looks like he's going to be a very handy player for them. And he, he's filling the spot quite well. Obviously, without King and um, uh, Membry down there at the moment, they're a bit bit light down in the forward line. But the the players have got down there are holding the fort quite well. Yeah. Big Caminiti, uh, the big hammer. He's, he's doing well too. I think he got picked up like in, in Feb. Um, so he, he's, he's, he surprised everyone and he, he slotted straight in. So the Saints, again, a lot, a lot of people tipping for bottom four, even like to finish last. So what they're doing is, is, is crazy. And I'm loving it. They're, like, they're playing good footy. It's attractive. Ross, the boss, is, is working his magic there. I know you said you'd, he'd probably be sacked by round 10. Um, that was a very he, bold prediction. Extremely very, bold prediction. A bit too bold, I think. Yeah, probably a little bit too bold, but you've got to go big. Um, you've got to go yeah. big with these sorts of things. But I think the one thing I'm, I want to see from St Kilda is that consistency because over the last few years, we know they start strong notoriously. It's just whether they can continue that momentum in the back half of the season. So it's still very early days. They can only win the games that are in front of them. And so far they're doing that quite well. Like you said, their footy is, it's a nice looking brand of football they're playing. It's exciting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a, lo- a long, a long way to go. So I, th- I, I want to see if they can hold on to that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's probably a similar story with the other, are the couple of teams that are undefeated that are sort of taking everyone by surprise at the moment. That's North Melbourne um, and the team that the Saints are playing this weekend, Essendon. Like they're they're doing uh, they're doing wonders at the moment. They're they're not only just winning; they're they're playing some really good footy and they've, they've seemed to really turn it around after some pretty 
pretty well, a really tough uh, 2022. Well, how's this for a stat? After round two, the round's all done and dusted. The team that finished top of the ladder won the flag last year. They're currently zero and two, and the team that finished got the wooden spoon finished last a two and zero. I would have thought that would be the case three weeks ago. That's why you just can't predict anything. That's why that. That's why preseason predictions are almost pointless, aren't they? Oh, they are. They look. It's exciting. They get you up and about. I know that it gives you something to look forward to. But in terms of accuracy, they're rarely ever on point. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, the ten that you just mentioned, Geelong, they uh, they had a fun night on Thursday against the Mighty Mighty Blues. That's, that was, uh, I never got to, I never got around to asking what your favorite moment of the weekend was, but I have a pretty good idea what it might be. Like, technically, it's not the weekend; it was a Thursday night. Yeah, it feels like we played two weeks ago. Um, I don't know about Thursday. Like, I think it's good as a neutral, but when your team's in it, I don't. I, you just don't feel a part of the footy weekend. Like, I just it was great, and then you know, you know, and then it's Friday. You're back to work on the Friday, and I know it's just a different feel about it. I mean, yeah, you get it out of the way nice and early, but I don't know. You just don't really feel like. You're a part of the footy weekend and sort of gets forgotten about a bit by the time, you know, Sunday or even Monday morning rolls around. So, um, but saying that, not complaining, we've uh, we've knocked off the reigning premiers. So it was, it was a great night. Yeah, it does have a funny feeling, those Thursday night games. Like I know Richmond's been a part of a few of the last couple of seasons and it is good because it feels like the week goes so much quicker because you're not waiting as long to watch your team play, but you're right. By the time it hits Saturday, Sunday, it feels like you haven't played in nearly a week and that you're kind of anxious for the next week to roll around so you can play again. But, mate, yeah, top top of the table, um, Geelong there, and you've knocked them off early in the season. And you, you you made them you made them look like a bottom-eight side. I mean, I know they mm. were very fumbly. They just looked rattled. And a lot of it's down to the pressure you guys applied. Mm. Yeah, for sure, mate. Like, the small forwards went to work. They were they were really impressive. You know, Corey Dirt and Jesse Motlop, Matt Owies, like, they all... All did their job, um, and then the midfield, yeah, really stood up after pretty much maybe getting touched up was was a bit strong against Richmond, but definitely I think outworked against Richmond in round probably one. Accurate. So uh, touch up's probably accurate. You reckon touched up? Yeah. I think we got I think we got outworked and outmuscled in round one, but and I think we we just I know we we changed the way we played a lot in round two and, and went a lot more attacking and, and played with pace, so um, and just got it down to our big forwards, which. You just got you got to when you've got two absolute guns down there. So um, and then yeah, Charlie had had a big night, kicked five, and was pretty much the match winner in the end. So um, but now great for the Blues. I think that's our biggest win in a very long time, just in terms of the, the opposition and um, and what was at stake as well. You know, you, you lose you lose that, and then yeah yeah you, you're coming from a from a low base, aren't you? So um, that was huge. And I mean, to get through Richmond and Geelong undefeated is uh, is yeah a really good effort and. Definitely something I would have uh, taken at the start of the year. Oh, for sure. It's a great start. And you've you, I mean, as much as a draw is not the result either of us wanted, I think for you guys to, like you said, be still be undefeated, um, it's a great result heading into round three. And the next few weeks for the Blues are looking pretty ominous. You know, you guys could really win the next three or four in a row and get yourselves on a, on a nice little roll there. So it's exciting times ahead for the Blues. But I want to quickly touch back on the Cats because whilst they were disappointing and probably didn't live up to their fans' expectations or the AFL world's expectations. One player in particular that did and absolutely starred above all else was Jeremy Cameron. Boy, oh boy, this man is a superhuman freak, is he not? Oh, for me, mate, uh, to witness that in person as well was 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 outstanding. Like the, what he was doing on the footy field, he... Was kicking him from everywhere. He was he was running. He was down back, intercepting marks. He was running through the midfield, and then would bob up forward and um, and then just yeah, just take some big pack marks. So and from where he was kicking his goals as well, they're all tight on the boundary line and um, or from outside fifty as well. So they weren't easy shots. Um, so he he really carried along on his back on Thursday night. It was yeah, it was it was honestly it was great to watch. And I mean, I'll, you'll always remember that that night that Jeremy Cameron kicked six and had twenty five. It was one of the best individual performances you'll see. Um, and yeah, I mean, I mean, if he didn't play on Thursday night, it could have been could have been pretty ugly for Geelong, I think. So um, for me, I think he's right now. I mean, he's probably not getting spoken about like some players are in the AFL, like some of the younger players. But for me, I think he's probably the most talented, if not the best player in the competition right now. Um, with what he's doing, he's he's an absolute freak. 
Yeah, well, if he's not the best player in the competition, he's certainly putting his hand up to be that number one man. And it, it did honestly look like at times it was Jeremy Cameron versus the Carlton Football Club, the way the game was panning out. And you're right, none of his shots were easy. So it's a testament to the play that he is, especially in the last quarter. He looked he looked injured. He looked sore, beaten up, battered, bruised. And he just kept fighting just to get the, the cats over the line. Obviously, he didn't quite get there. But, I mean, one man can't do it by himself. But he, he got bloody close. He got bloody close. So... Yeah, very, very impressive. But another takeaway I know you'd be you'd be looking at pretty strongly from a Carlton point of view is it was a close game. The Cats challenged late. And for the first time in a while, the Blues held on and actually, you know, showed a bit of nerve in the last 10 minutes of that game and held on and won. So it looks like there's been some learnings. Michael Voss said after the Richmond game, if this happened last year, you would have lost by six goals. You drew the week after against the Cats, reigning premiers. You've held on and you've won the game. So... It's going to be exciting going forward, does it not? Yeah, for sure. I think the yeah the last ten minutes of that game was jeez, uh, oh it was it was tense. It was very very nerve wracking. We're all, we're all pretty much expecting the worst. Um, I think it was yeah it was very tense in the stands. But yeah, for the boys to hold on and and look like they they managed the game a lot better in terms of what they were doing compared to, to the week before. They were um yeah sort of managing the clock a lot better and um you know harry pushed up the field a lot and took you know three massive massive pack marks to to pretty much yeah ice the game so it was huge and yeah it was just big moments in that last quarter that yeah, that allowed us to hang on and and we yeah we we pretty much looked in control the whole match so to do that against the reigning premiers albeit yeah they were missing some some players but so were we we're, we've got a fair few injuries as well we're probably missing Two of our best, you know, four or five midfielders from the team. So um, to to outmuscle them was was huge. So let's see if that can, um, yeah, kickstart our year. Looks like you're in the right position to do so. But um, yeah, the next talking point was another game that got bloody close at one point, and we mentioned it a little bit earlier. But yeah, the Richmond the Richmond Adelaide game, and on the Saturday afternoon, well, actually no, that's sorry, I've I've skipped a game. I've skipped probably the. the the most talked about game of the round, Collingwood Port Adelaide. We'll start with them first because they were the 145 match. And Marcus, I'm putting you on the spotty. I'm calling you out. I think you need to apologize to Collingwood supporters everywhere for the doubt that you've casted over them for the last season and a half. What did I, what was the doubt? Go on. The doubt you are, I think you can go to our season predictions in our first episode. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure you, you stated that there's no way Collingwood would be as good this year because there's no way they're winning that many close ones again and it was they kind of flew yeah. their way through. Yeah, absolutely. I think yeah, it's it's fair to say that was uh that was a, a wrong prediction. But as we said earlier, mate, preseason predictions mean nothing because it's very hard to get them it's very hard to get them right. Um so but yeah, for me they're the flag favourites at the moment. They're the best team in it. They're they're so good to watch and that's Hard for me to say. They are bloody good to watch. So um, they've got everything. They're, they're, they're stacked. And, and you know, what some of their players are producing at the moment is, is ridiculous. So, um, yeah, hard for me to say because I was really gearing up for uh, Collingwood in round 10. But, geez, uh, getting less and less confident about that with uh, with the first two rounds. But, um, but nah, I mean, yeah, credit where credit's due. They're, they're playing some good footy and, um, and definitely don't look like they're slowing down or sliding down the ladder this year. Which, yeah, like you said, it's painful to say if come from Richmond and Carlton supporters, but it's a long season, a long season ahead. And um, But like I mentioned before, we are all over the place of where the way we're going because I've completely, or we've completely blown over the fact that uh, on the Friday night, there was a power outage up at the Gabba. <laughs> and I don't know how we've forgotten about this, but we have absolutely <laughs> skipped past it. And let me tell you, it was a sight to behold because nobody knew what was going on. The Channel 7 broadcast was, you could see they were lost. I didn't really know where to pick up, where to continue. They were kind of rattled themselves. And then for the, the players to come back on the ground, it really didn't look like they were invested. But then Melbourne came out and went bang and nearly clawed back the, mm. the lead that the Lions had on them. Yeah, it was it was bizarre. Bizarre scenes. I think, yeah, first time we've seen that since, I think, 96 when the lights went out of Waverley. But, yeah, it was crazy. Like, yeah, the... You just didn't know, and then when the and then the camera pans to the lights, and you see a flame coming out of it, you're like, "Geez, this could this could be this could be interesting." But but yeah, then then when the game restarted, um, the D's probably could have easily have pinched that. Um, they even you know they they went forward a few times in that last minute and, and definitely had their chances. So imagine if they came back and won that. Imagine uh, 
Imagine the, the look on Chris Fagan's face if uh, Brisbane lost that due to the uh, the power outage because he was looking filthy already. Well, that's the thing. The momentum was definitely on Brisbane's side before the power outage. They were all over Melbourne. They were outclassing them um, at pretty much every passage of play. So if they had to come back and won that game, the Ds, it definitely would have been a lot of talking points and, you know, what happens from now, now going forward. We saw what happened with the grand final draw and the rules changed pretty quickly. Is it going to change again? Is it going to be... You know, whoever's in front just wins the game and you call it quits there or do you wait like they did? So lots to talk about. Um, we, it ha- did happen in uh, in 99. Uh, I think it was at 99 when Richmond and Carlton were playing at the G and the, the scoreboard caught on fire. Mm, I think it that did. was pre-game yeah. potentially. I think it was pre-game and they delayed the game by half hour. So different yeah. situation because the game hadn't started yet, but definitely something to think about. We've got a few comments coming through now, Marcus. This one, These next two are probably directed more at you. Which Nupty on here predicted the Sash winning the spoon oh, again? That actually that, may have been that's me. That's definitely directed at you. That might have been me. Well, this next one, yeah, that, 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 yeah, I'm looking silly at the moment. This one's definitely directed at you. Yeah, well, it's hard to crack a smile when you're talking about Collingwood. So, um, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Couple of, no, a couple of talking points here as well. We've got Total Will Ames. Thoughts on players playing with injuries. Is it courageous or just stupid? I think it all depends um, on the. I think it depends on the moment and the game that you're playing, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, who, who's he referring to there? Jack Steele? Well, I'm actually not sure who he was referring to, but did Steele start the game with an injury or did he did he get injured and continue to play through? I think he, well, yeah. From what I saw on the coverage, he definitely looked like he was favouring that that collarbone or that shoulder. Um, and then yeah, I saw after the game. That, numerous stages, yeah. Yeah, and then like he wouldn't like high-five players after they won, like on his right hand. So... Um. Yeah, like I don't know whether whether that would have changed the outcome or not, but it is. I don't know. I think there's a there's a balance that you know between being tough and and stupid and in costing yourself and the team extra weeks by by playing. Um, it's a fair point. I think to me, I if I don't know, and then it depends on the game, doesn't it? Like I think round two, you probably just don't take chances, do you? It's too early, and I guess at the end of the day, you can. You can make these wins back up later in the year if need be, um, depending on you know how your season's traveling at the time. But I think it's probably definitely, I think it's definitely the smarter idea to just sit it out. I mean, it could potentially happen with Richmond this week. We saw Jacob Popper go off, look pretty sore with his ankle. He came back on, played out the rest of the game with all oh, you beauty, and now he looks like he might be in doubt for the Pies game on Friday night. So I know yeah. if it was me, I'd much rather have him fit and ready for the Pies game than play out the rest of the Adelaide game. But yeah, plenty to talk about there. Uh, some more comments coming through from our mates, the Attention to Detail podcast. For those that have listened to the channel for a while, you'll know who these boys are. Plenty of flaws there, fellas. These were no good. Smacked all over the ground. These West Coast from a couple of years ago, same thing. Lightning storms delayed the final quarter and Eagles storm back with striking distance. Yeah, within striking distance after being down 40 plus. Mm. So again... It, another, it's happened again in another game. There's another, another instance. Thanks for pointing that one out. Yeah. Well, yeah. What do you? What do we? What would your thoughts be? Yeah. Well, you, every- last quarter, and there's a there's last quarter. Something like that happens. The game has to be stopped. Are you happy? Would you be happy if they called it quits, or would you want them to do what they didn't have that that one hour leniency window where they wait and see? I don't know. It depends. It depends on the like. If you're winning, if you're in Brisbane, Brisbane's position, if you're in Brisbane's position and you're winning like that, you're probably just happy for the game to be over. Um, yeah. But yeah, and then yeah, because I, I mean, because there's always that risk of that team that's losing coming back with nothing to lose. So it's it's a tough one, isn't it? Um, you know, we we just put that comment about the D's, and you know, roles were reversed really. So the D's were obviously winning against West Coast, and then yeah, they West Coast came back, and then it's the opposite this one with. Brisbane winning and the D's coming back. So um, it looks like it favours the uh, team that's in a losing position. It does look like that. And the thing I want to point out as well is the game we were talking about, uh, Melbourne-Brisbane, and then this one here, Brisbane-West Coast, the margins are pretty significant then. And obviously the rule changes can't be based around what the margin's going to be. So no. you've got to find a, a one grand rule. Because let me tell you now, if Melbourne were down by one point, and it was still 20 minutes left in the quarter, and they called the game there, and Brisbane wins the game by a point. I, can you imagine how furious people would be? Yeah. When it's 40 points, it's, it's, you probably have a different opinion because you go, oh, well, we'll let it slide. We weren't coming back anyway. But you're going to find a rule that's sort of even across the board. I don't mind the way that they've done it. I just think it, it probably looked a bit more shonky because of the, the broadcast and how unprepared yeah. they were for something like that to happen. 
Um, but I, I still think it's probably the, the right idea to hold it for an hour. I think that was the rule, wasn't it? Hold it for an hour. And if nothing's changed yeah. within the hour, then you call the game um, as yeah. long as it's after half time. I think that was the rule. So, yeah. 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 So I don't, I don't mind that. Um, but in saying that, what are, you, what are your thoughts on the D's in Brisbane just as a performance standpoint? I mean, Brisbane came bouncing back real strong after their round one performance. Mm. We all saw the pull. They were pretty poor in round one, bounced back strong. Obviously, it's a home game. The Gabba, they're always going to play better football there. And I know myself included, a lot of people had Melbourne winning this game. Um, it obviously just didn't didn't go that way for them. What were your thoughts on the game? Oh, I reckon it was, it was the worst time to play Brisbane, especially at the Gabba on the rebound. Um, and, yeah, considering... Or their preseason hype and the, and the star power that they've got in their team was, yeah, definitely the worst time to play them. So you, you feel for the Ds in that regard. But I think I think the injury to Max Gorn definitely played a part in it. You could you could tell. Um, as soon as Gorney went down, they they really just they look shell shocks. They they barely they barely flex their muscle at all, really, since since Gorney went down with the with the knee. So um, they got dominated all over the park. Like Brisbane, absolutely was smashing them. Like it was like a top team playing a bottom team at, at stages there. So, and yeah, and I think most Melbourne supporters would agree. Like I was, I was watching the game with with a few Melbourne supporters, and they were, yeah, it was it was bizarre to watch because it was just it wasn't the Melbourne you'd expect, especially after their round one performance and their preseason performance as well. So it was, um, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was a. Interesting watch, um, and I think it just puts the rest of the competition on notice about Brisbane as well. Not to write them off too early, as we spoke about last week. Those early judgments, be be very careful. Yeah, it's scary to judge teams so early in the season, and you know for good reason. We've seen what happens when you do that. So, yeah, like you said, I, I agree with pretty much all of the above there. So, no no debating yep. points in that point of view, but. We'll keep moving through the games. Um, we've spoke about Richmond, Adelaide, really. No need to touch on that anymore. We've got the Bulldogs and St. Kilda. Saints coming out 51-point winners. And I've, I know I, t- I tipped the Dogs. I really thought they would they were coming strong. I thought St. Kilda's weakened forward line would, would hurt them a little bit. Um, but I don't know if it's more credit to St. Kilda or less credit to the Dogs. But whichever way it went, the Saints were really impressive. And like we said at the beginning of the, the, beginning of the show, they're playing some exciting football, St. Kilda. Yeah, for sure. I mean, to win by fifty-one points, it's an absolute smashing. So they haven't just beaten the dogs; they've absolutely, absolutely smashed them. And yeah, and they were really impressive. The Saints, you know, as, as poor as the doggies were, the Saints were really good. Um, they were, again really enjoyable to watch. Um, it's probably something you, you couldn't say in round one against with their game against Frio, which was like it was pretty dull, pretty defensive. But this round two game, they looked really good, um, and it, it set up a massive. Uh, round three game against the Bombers, the two undefeated teams in their 150th uh, year celebration as well next weekend. So it's, yeah, it, it's great. It's it's great to see. I think the Saints, yeah, it's a team that, you know, their supporters are absolute. We don't need to go into how much success they've had over the years, but, you know, they, they deserve, you know, some sort of, uh, I mean, they've only played finals once in the last 10 or so years. So I think they, they deserve it. Um, and I think Ross, yeah, Ross is doing some great things. Of, I don't, I don't think we. I mean, you, you doubted Ross being there, but yeah, I think, um, I think he's going to do wonders for him. Yeah, I, it was less doubting him, more just trying to cause a controversial headline. But yes, no, you're we, right. We can cut it up and put it back up again. We can, we can. But again, it was a bold, bold prediction that I don't stand by for what I'm saying <laughs> at the moment. I definitely don't stand by. But it's a long year. It's a long year. It is a long who knows, year. Who knows what could happen? Um. Back to the attention to detail, boys. Max going down certainly didn't help, but the midfield was just much cleaner. And yeah, I, I can't agree with that. Brisbane's midfield did look a lot sharper on the night. And then we got Ashcroft winning Selwood free kicks in his second game. Well, someone's has to take the mantle. Yep. And who better than a you know a blonde-haired kid from the Brisbane Lions? It looks like he's going to take the game by storm. So yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. agree with you though. I agree with you though. He was helping some free kicks I thought were a little bit uh but yeah. Not he has won the rising game. star as well for this round too. He has. Yeah. Um, I'm also yeah. I'm also getting some um, some messages to make sure we talk about the bombers more uh, in this show because we've uh, we've got a history of not giving the bombers credit or or I mean they haven't really deserved it the last couple of years but I mean not talking about them enough in, in more of a positive light so let's talk about the Essendon Gold Coast game which was actually a really good game. It was a really good game. It was very exciting. And 
Props to the Bombers. You know, we do speak negatively on them quite a bit in the, in the past, but they're, they're playing some exciting football. Their brand is, I think they're finally starting to find an identity, which is something I feel they've lacked over the last few years on the field. You, you watch them play and it, there wasn't a lot of substance, I don't think. But from what I'm seeing, seeing in the first two games of this year, they look like they've definitely found that. I think Brad Scott's put uh, taken them in the right direction for sure. Yeah, I mean, again, I think the new coach and in, in like an experienced coach like Brad Scott, similar to Ross Lyon, I think he's going to do do wonders for him. Um, you, know, you look at their statistical performances as well. I think they were bottom four in like those key areas of like contested ball tackling uh, inside fifties. I think it was a, I think it was those stats, and then they've changed that to a top four in the competition in the first couple of rounds. So. They've yeah changed the way they've played really well, um, and then you know players like Will Setterfield, who's yeah ex Blue, couldn't get a chance at Carlton. Is um yeah, he's, he's played his best his two best games of his career in the first two rounds with the Bombers. So they look like they've got a good player there. Um, Darcy Parish looks like he's he's back to his best form as well. He's he's lining up um, that midfield. So it's it's yeah, I mean. It's a, it's a good competition when all the all the big clubs are up and about. So, um, you know, Carlton, Collingwood, Richmond, all in the top eight at the moment. It's, it's great to see. Well, I don't have the screen grab to throw up on at the moment, but at one point during the round, there was Collingwood, Richmond, Carlton, Essendon, or something like that. The top four, anyway, were up with the big four clubs, which is, yeah, it's something you, uh, you, you really want to see. And we've yeah. got a, a great question popping through regarding the game on the weekend. When does the heat start coming on the Gold Coast? Well, it's a good question because normally they start quite strong and dwindle later in the year, but so far they are they haven't done that. Um, and here we go. Joseph would not have found a way to win without right Wiedemann, Stringer, Tipper in the past. Make shift four line super effort to run over the top of them. No, yeah. I agree. I agree. They're, they've definitely come a long way. I think, yeah, if this game was last season, they, they get pantsed. Um, obviously, yeah. the Suns might have been a different lineup as well, but I definitely don't think you'd get the same result last year. I think the players have brought in, the coach they've brought in is steering the ship in the right direction, like I mentioned earlier. Um, and then back to Elisa's comment, when does the heat start coming on the Gold Coast? Pretty soon, I would have to think. I think they're, I think I they're mean, almost getting sunburnt, Quinn. What's that, sorry? <laughs> I think they're almost getting sunburnt up there at the Gold Coast. That's that's how strong the heat's going to come on them. <laughs> That sucks. <laughs> I wish you could erase it. We're, we're live. I wish I could edit that out, but we're that's, live. That's one of your gags, actually. So, Yeah, yeah I'm not surprised by that. But it's, uh, yeah, honestly, it's it's going to be coming soon. I think they're lucky that they're, they're from Queensland and not a Melbourne club because they'd be copying it a lot more, I think, if they were from Melbourne. And I mean, the last couple of years now, we've been predicting, oh, this is going to be the year they make the eight. All the, all the pieces are in the right place. They're looking like they're going the right direction, blah, blah, blah. And... So far, the start of the year hasn't given me any signs that they've, they've improved. It looks like, if anything, they've gone the other way um, in some ways. So, I mean, not just the fact that they're losing games, but that I haven't found that the way they've been playing has been exciting or I can't even think of the right words to use, but not, not the right type of football you want to play to sort of push for finals anyway. No. So, and with the competition as strong as it is at the moment, um, you just can't see them breaking into that top eight. Yeah. They're in a bit of no man's land, aren't they? Like it's uh, like they have to be pushing for the finals, um, and yeah, they're clearly not up to it at this stage. Anyway, again, it's only round two, but from what we've seen, um, you know, they were they were pretty poor against Sydney in round one. Albeit Sydney are you know, looking very very dangerous this year, but I don't know. They did show signs against Essendon. I think they were they were pretty good for most of the game. Um, I think Essendon just sort of you know kicked away at the end there. But again, if they want to be a final team, they probably should be winning games against Essendon, um, who obviously, yeah, weren't that great last year. But but then again, we don't know what Essendon are going to do this year. They're obviously started really well. So they might even be um, a, a finals bolster this year. So who knows? It is hard, but yeah, Gold Coast definitely need to get on their bike there. I mean, if they if they have another bad year this year, I think Stuart Jew's probably almost a certainty to, to be gone. Um, and then it's like where to for that club? You know, how many more rebuilds can you do and um, and handouts from the AFL can you get? So it's, yeah, it's an interesting time. They're going to have to get on their bike and, and start winning some games very soon. Yeah, I think, I don't want to say the end because that's the wrong word for it. But yeah, you're right. Their chances are running out. Um, I don't know where that goes for them after that. But 
there's not a lot of wiggle room left for the Suns. If they don't start pushing, contending and becoming a, a half-decent club in the, the near future, then yeah, I don't know what the future beholds for them. Um, but back to what Joseph said as well earlier when he was talking about the makeshift forward line. I mean, yeah, without two minutes, Peter, I think everybody thought that their forward line would look a little bit shot, a little bit cooked, and I think they held up really strong and, you know, piled on goals without that key target they're normally used to having down there. Yeah. Well, they had Kyle Langford pop up and kick five. So that's that's what you need. When, you, when your forward line's been decimated, you've got someone like that that can pop up and kick five goals. Um, that's the difference between being, you know, a really a team with no depth and a team with depth that can push, you know, for a final spot, which which Essendon seem like they've got at the moment. So, um, but no, good on them. Like, they're doing well. They're playing, you know, good footy. I mean, you know, we, we give shit to them, but, like, credit where credit's due. They're, 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 when you play entertaining footy, it's like Collingwood at the moment as well. Like, we don't really like them, but we love watching them because they're playing such good footy. So, um, yeah. good on them. And, yeah, I, I you know, a competition with with the big teams doing well is great to watch. So I think everyone can agree on that. When they're all up and about, um, footy's great. Yeah, it's very healthy for the competition for sure. We've got a comment from Dom here. A Frio in trouble. I know it's early, but they have been pathetic so far. Very poor start to the year. They're ruining my footy tipping. They look very slow. Well, I think they ruined everyone's footy tipping this week when they lost to North over in Perth. And yeah, I think there are worrying signs um, for Fremantle. We kind of glossed over that game a little bit. I mean, they obviously lost by a point. And I do have a little bit to talk about this game. Um, pretty soon, oh, I'll, I'll get into it. Well, happy to tell you now, but Let's get, yeah, get into it. Maybe I'll get into it now. We'll, we'll talk about Freo. We'll actually answer Dom's question first. And yes, I think the simple answer for me is yes. I think Freo are in a little bit of strife. I, don't, I mean, a lot of people might have had them as the slider out of the top eight. Um, but they've also got a strong list. And I, you could definitely see them staying in there and even pushing for the top four. Because they were really good at certain stages last year as well. And... I think the way that they're utilising players like Fife, um, I think Tabin has had a pretty bad run with injuries to start the season as well. Like it's not looking great for them. Um, and then to, yeah, to lose to North Melbourne, who we know are improving, but shouldn't be anywhere near their calibre, especially away at Perth or home at Perth for Freo's um, point of view. It's uh, it's worrying signs. Yeah, it is. And they're just not playing great either. You know, like they're, yeah, they only lost five points, in it, but they weren't great. Like they, yeah, they, they had a crack in the last five minutes of the game. Um, but that would yeah, North were all over them. North were definitely the better team in that in that game, and then the same the week before against the Saints. So like, yeah, I, I think from what we've seen at the moment, they look like the team that's going to come out of the eight and and have a have a poor season. Um, but again, you know, similar to Gold Coast, they just need to they just need to get a win somewhere um, because it's yeah, it's not looking great. Um, and yeah, I think the heat is well and truly coming on them, and, and well deserved as well because yeah, that's. They can't be dishing out performances like that, especially with the players that they brought in too. I mean, Luke Jackson's copped a bit, bit of stick already. Um, the high price tag, and and he's really done nothing. Um, yeah, Jager Amira went was playing as a full forward in the last five minutes of the game. So, I don't know. It's it's a tough one with Frio. Um, I don't know. It's yeah, they they've got to be winning those games at home, especially against North. I mean, I mean, again, we probably should be giving North credit. Um, as, as bad as as Freo were, North were North were great. No, they were good. They played really, really good football. And then, as Dom said here, Freo will be pretenders until they find a key forward. Haven't had a decent forward since Pav. P.S. I won't be tipping them going forward. But <laughs> they they haven't really given too many reasons to tip them. Um, Dom, you're not you're not too far off the money there. I don't think. But I think they'll find their groove, Freo. Um, I don't know what the delay is and what's setting them back this early on, but I think they will find their groove. I don't think they'll completely fall that far. I think I think they'll fall out of the eight. I mean, from what I'm saying, they'll, they'll slide for sure out of the eight, but I definitely don't think they'll end up botting them out or anything dramatic, um, yeah, dramatic like that. So I think they'll be okay. But yeah, but in saying that, North were great. And they're, they're again, another club that's found some really exciting football and started to gain some kind of identity on the pitch. And Alistair Clarkson, wow. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's great to see. I mean, it, it, and it's weird seeing North Melbourne win like this and seeing him fifth position on the ladder as well. Like it's, it's great. It's great for the competition. I mean, they've been down for for a long time now, and and for them to win their first two games, and I think, I think if they have if they go on and and have a, a great season, um, and you know do a lot better than we think, then geez, I mean, we already know Clarkson is one of the greatest coaches ever, but geez, if you can do this with North, boy. What a legacy he leaves, so isn't he? Yeah, and so quickly as well. I mean, if you did it over a period of time, then 
it's different. You know what I mean? Like you're like, okay, he's eventually built. It's still impressive, but to do it in a season or one preseason, <clears> you know what I mean? That's that's yeah. incredible. So yeah, hats, hats will definitely be uh, will be taken off for Alistair Clarkson in that situation. But before we stray from the Freo game, Freo North game, I want to talk about the ending. We all know how it ended, the fashion in which it ended, but it's not necessarily what bothers me so much. And I've told you before um, we went live tonight what bothers me about this whole situation. But for those of you that don't know, the game ended um, with a controversial free kick that wasn't paid to Fremantle in the uh, dying seconds. And the AFL, as the AFL always does, have come out and ticked the decision off being the spineless cowards that this organization is. As much as I love the product that they produce week in, week out, and I'll continue to dish my money into them and, you know, go to the football most weeks. I'm an AFL member myself, so I'm, you know, putting money directly in their pockets in that sense. But they are one of the most spineless organizations I've seen in a long time because year after year, week after week, they are ticking off blatantly wrong decisions when everybody knows that they're wrong decisions and they're going, I go, no, nah, we made the right call there. We're, we're standing by that there. And it's it's honestly disgraceful because it, tell me I'm not the only one that thinks that that ball crossed the line well before, well, not maybe not well before, but definitely before the siren, that final siren went. It did. Because you watch the footage as well. And the North Melbourne players, you see the ball cross the line. There's about a second. And then all the North Melbourne players all of a sudden throw their hands in the air and start celebrating. You're telling me they just waited a second. Just, you know, like It's an instant reaction when that happens. Not only are you hearing the siren come in late, you're seeing the players' reaction late as well. And I understand mistakes are made. That's fine. I'm, I'm happy to cop a mistake any day of the week. But when the AFL comes out and backs it in and goes, yep, no, nah, there's no, nothing, nothing to see here, it's disgusting. And I know it's happened, it's happened to Richmond a couple of times last year, so I'm passionate about it. But it ha- doesn't just happen to us. It happens to everybody. I'm still waiting for the AFL to show me conclusive footage from last year's elimination final. Put closure. Put closure out there. If, if you, you're backing yourselves in, that's fine. You've got this footage, show it. You backed yourselves in, show the footage. Or even the Sydney game last year when we uh, we ended up, uh, we should have drawn with Sydney, but we lost because uh, they used common sense and they ticked that one off as well. And there's plenty of others. These are just the more recent ones in my head, of course, because they happened to us. But it's happened again on the weekend. Another team has been done dirty. And the AFL needs to be held accountable. They said it on the Sunday footy show. The panel actually called it out, which was nice to see mainstream media bringing this to everybody's attention. And they all agree with what I'm saying, that they think the, they, they said the AFL never admits that they're wrong. But it honestly looks weak from their behalf. So mm. sorry for ranting a bit there, but it's, it's something that's a real bee in my bonnet, let me tell you. Yeah, no, I completely agree, mate. I mean, we ended up talking a lot about Richmond then. I'm not sure if we're still talking about Freo or North, but... <laughs> it was more the um, AFL, more the AFL, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It is. I think it's 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 a little embarrassing for the AFL, to be honest. To uh, We all heard it. We all saw the vision and, and heard that the siren, you know, went after the ball crossed the line. Um, but I think, I think, I think they've come out and said that it's until the umpire calls it, that's that's why it wasn't paid deliberate because the umpire hadn't called it before the siren went, if that makes sense. But that's not what the AFL has come out and said. So, like, it's embarrassing that they've come out to say that, oh, no, the siren sounded before the ball crossed the line, which it didn't because we all heard it. That's the thing. Like, if you're going to have an argument, at least make it a logical argument that makes sense. But mm. it, with what you said as well, because this is actually me asking the question because it's not 100%. If just say the ball crosses the boundary line and the action has taken place, the umpire hasn't had a chance to put whistle in mouth and call it, but the siren goes in between the action and the whistle. Can the umpire still pay that free kick once the siren's gone? From what I've seen in the past, I believe he can. Mm. I believe he still is able to make that call because like it's that what what happened would have took place before that final siren went. And you see it, you know, when players get you know, taken across the neck or whatever, the siren might go, no, nah, that was a high tackle. It happened before the siren. We're paying that. So I don't know. For me, yeah, like you said, it's just embarrassing from the AFL's point of view. And I don't know. I, I keep saying, I don't know. Someone's going to keep them accountable. I don't know who's supposed to do that. But it's honestly ridiculous that they keep getting away with keep getting away with it. And after a week or two, everyone will forget about this and we'll move on until something like this happens again. And the AFL will again come out and say, no, nah, we're ticking it off. We're backing it in. You just know they're going to tick it off now because they're, they're never mm. going to admit fault. 
which like you said is embarrassing it is it is i mean you just don't want this to happen in a in a high stakes game like a final or a grand final like that would be that would be catastrophic if something like that happened so um i think they need to either clarify that rule for all of us and yeah i don't know or maybe just fix it up i think i think i think it's it's wrong that you have to wait for the umpire to make the decision like that's clearly happened like we've all seen it like that's yeah. that's blatantly if the siren hasn't sounded yet and the the action of that free kick or the offense has been made that should be that should be it like that should be that should have been paid deliberate regardless if the umpire hadn't blown his whistle or called for it yet well, yeah, that's right. And I think, well, the only other question then is the umpire could then argue that he was never going to pay deliberate, which would have been the wrong call, obviously, but he could not. No, but yeah, but I don't think, I don't think he's come out and said that. I think, I think. No, he, it, it was he like, didn't say that. I think he said, like, I'm pretty sure he, he knows it's deliberate, but he just didn't, he, I don't think he's called it because this, he's heard the siren go. Yeah, which is wrong. I think you there's just, it's like a grey area there. So I think, no, it's a, it's a, it's a big stuff up. Um, yeah, massive. But for, and for me, it's I'm not upset that the stuff up happened. Obviously, it's you know I'm sure if you're a Freo supporter, you definitely would be. But for me, it's more the fact that the AFL can never admit any fault, and they won't say, "Yep, yeah. we're guilty. We we did this. Put my hand up. How bad, you know? Or um, yeah, we made a mistake. It happens. And as in, as frustrating as it would be from a Fremantle point of view, it's a bit of closure at least. And you're not now they'll they'll dwell on this. Imagine they miss finals by one game. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? They'll they'll be dwelling on round two against North Melbourne and, and up at Optus Oval. That that's what that's what they'll be thinking about. So at least if the AFL comes out, it's closure and there's no what ifs. It's kind of like, well, the what if is still there in the sense it off. Oh, they had have done the right thing, but at least it's not, you know, oh the AFL still think they did the right thing and all that. Like there's a bit of closure there at least. Yeah. No. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. Um but North win. And that's that's what that's what's gonna that's what it's gonna read. I do win. Well, we'll move on because we've got another message here from Dom. Could Hawthorne be the first team in the AFL system to go winless in a season? They looked. I'm presuming that meant to be useless yesterday and at times in round one. Yeah, I think useless was the word he was looking for. But yeah, well, I don't know about winless. I think every team, despite how bad, managed to find a win. I mean, Carlton found a win in 2018, so if they can do that, Hawthorne will find one this somewhere this year. But it's, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's it, if it, if it happens, it'll be an absolute rarity, as you said, it'll be the first team in AFL system to do so. So it'll be very interesting to see if it does happen. But I think, um, yeah, I think Freo will. Uh, oh no, Freo! I think Hawthorne will find a win somewhere. At this stage, I'm I'm probably with them. I don't I don't. It's it's hard to find a win for him, isn't it? Well, that's the thing. It is. It is looking. Uh, yeah, it's look. You're just looking at the fixture and you're thinking, where where are they going to get that win? But I think just we know the way our competition works, and some sometimes teams will lose to teams they're not supposed to. I think Geelong lost to Hawthorne last year, didn't they? At one point, I mean, Hawthorne don't look yeah. as bad last. They weren't as bad last year as they're looking this year. But the yeah, the, the reigning premier last year lost to that team. So you never know yeah. what could happen in the AFL season. And- I just think it. Was maybe because Enrique, we've never seen it before. It's hard to believe that it'll happen. Yeah, that, 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 it, it, it might happen one day. But yeah, I think what was it? Richmond. Yeah, Richmond lost to North Melbourne last year, didn't they? No. <laughs> yes, we did. Yes, yes, we did. did. Thanks for pointing that out. But uh, for those that are watching as well, if you haven't seen already, jump in the comment section. Um, we put the link in there. If you want to join us on the stream, um, click on the link, jump on, and. Have a chat with us because, yeah, obviously plenty to talk about after the week of footy. So feel yep. free to join. Don't be shy by any means. Um, Especially you Bomber supporters as well. I know you're up and about, so uh, don't be don't be scared to uh, to jump on. Absolutely. You keep telling us we don't talk enough about you. We'll come, come on a show and, you know, do it for us. So by all means, jump on. But uh, before anyone jumps on, what were what were some of the things that caught your eye this week, Marcus? I know there was a few... A few things that happened throughout the round, and you can go all the way back to Thursday if that's where it starts with you. But what were some things that caught your eye? Oh, geez. Um, I mean, there, there, was, there was plenty. I think it was around that with plenty to talk about. Um, it, it is hard to go past. It's hard to go past Collingwood on Saturday afternoon. Um, when watching that game, they were just they were looking incredible. Um, 
I think we, we've lost we've lost your your video, Quinn. You've turned into a yeah, cartoon. I'll be getting that back. <laughs> Keep talking. I'm still here. You haven't lost me. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's hard to go past the pies. They were obviously really good on the weekend. They it, it's some of the best footy I've seen a team play in a very long time. Um, and yeah, don't say don't say that lightly. Obviously, you know, with everyone knows how I feel about Collingwood. Um, so to to see what they dished up on Saturday against Port Adelaide, who were coming in hot as well, it was. Um, Pretty scary performance. Um, so that, that's one thing that definitely did catch my eye. Um, and then, yeah, and I think it's the Saints as well. They, they definitely surprised me with what they've done um, in the in the manner that they're doing it as well. Um, they've been really good. So I think those two things are the big ones. And then um, yeah, if we go way back to Thursday night as well, um, yeah, seeing seeing an old, old-timer and Ed Kerno um, Put in a good performance after pretty much yeah well he didn't play a game last year so he's done he's done really well so I think they're the big things. Um, what about yourself, Quinn? Have we still got you there. You've still got me here. I'm just working out a new camera angle because uh, looks like my webcam has decided to call it quits. I think it was once we uh, invited the Essendon supporters on that it kind of gave up. <laughs> but, You've uh, got a virus now. Yeah, dear, I've got a virus, but I, it will come back. It will come back. Here we go, Vincenzo. How good were the? How about? Yeah, how good were the Blues on Thursday night? And yeah, uh, like we spoke about earlier, they they were good. They put on a very impressive performance. And I'll be blatantly honest with you, I went, um, I went and changed my tip last minute, and uh, I changed myself to the Blues, which I'm uh, very happy with. Here we go. I'm back. New angle. New angle. <laughs> And I got You're the, back. the different coming out. Yeah, I'm back. But um, yeah, no, the Blues are very impressive, uh, Vince. So good to yeah. see. But what, yeah, what, what caught your eye? eye? What's yeah, things that caught my eye. I think well, if we go back to Thursday night. One of the things that definitely caught my eye was Asava Radagalia. Now, the first two rounds I've seen him play in, is that that key backman position. And two weeks in a row, I've thought to myself, he's no good down there. Uh, I'm not saying he's no good as a footballer, but I just don't know if he's got what it, I don't know. I, he just maybe he, you know, he had some good opposition, obviously against Charlie and Harry on the weekend, and they played very well, especially Charlie. So maybe it's it's hard to judge him on that. But I just didn't think he put himself in the right spots. He was fumbling at times. It took a nice marker late in the game, but I didn't think he was quite where he where he needs to be, especially in that you know premiership side that they were last year. Obviously, they got injuries at the moment with Tom Stewart still missing. So he might just be filling that spot until someone like that comes back. I'm not too sure. But, yeah, I think he's got a lot of work to do is that um, in that back position. What, what did you think? You probably watched the game closer than me. Um, yeah, it's a hard one because I thought he played I thought he played okay. Like there were some moments there where, you know, he took some big marks. Um, yeah, like a pack mark. He took some intercept marks as well. Um, he's obviously really strong. But at the same time, like he came up against Charlie Kerno, who's, you know, arguably – one of the best, if not the best, full forward in the competition at the moment. So it is hard. Like it, it would been it would have been a very tough night for him, regardless. I think, um, and it's hard to judge off of two games. Like obviously, he played you know he played the informed Collingwood in round one, and then he's come up against the Blues in round two with with their forward line. So um, I I think definitely I think they definitely need to persevere with it um, and and see how it goes because they are down on personnel down back, so they're going to have to run with it definitely for the next few weeks. Yeah, hundred percent. I think. Yeah, I'm trying to think of other options there, but yeah, I reckon you're right. They probably will have to. They got too many injuries. I think they. I think he's just going to have to play there for yeah, definitely the next few weeks. Yeah, which is another thing as well. Excuse me while I'm just fixing my new camera again. But I think this is another thing. I think people are forgetting about yeah. with Geelong. What they're starting to say, oh, they've got the hangover. They've got this. They've got that. They are going through some pretty big injury woes at the moment as well. So, a lot of room for them to to bounce back for sure. Another uh, comment from Dom. I'm a very positive person, but I'm very worried about what Collingwood would do to us on Friday, Quindaluca. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty similar, Dom, um, at the moment. I'm feeling uh, very similar at the moment. I think pressure point is common. Does Quinn realise we are live? Someone's <laughs> logged into the pressure point account, account and uh, <laughs> does Quinn realise we are live? Wow. Considering you and I are the pressure point podcast, Marcus, uh, yes, I do realise that we are live. But sometimes in live broadcast things happen. Did you not watch the Friday night game? With <laughs> the lights going to go out in your room, are they? Well, things have, technology doesn't always work, so you've got to make do. And um, I'm still here. I'm still talking. I'm still making some good points. I think so. Yeah, but back to Dom's uh, question earlier. Yeah, I think Richmond are in a spot of bother at the moment. Um, 
with some of the injuries we've got. Nathan Broad, um, he'll be no doubt missing um, a minimum of three weeks, you'd imagine. And, you know, it goes back up here. I think Elisa commented earlier, how many weeks does Nathan Broad deserve and how many do you think he will get? Um, Dom goes, thoughts on Broad's tackle? I reckon he could be looking at four plus, sadly. Yeah, I don't know. It's tough. I think at, when it happened um, in the moment, I thought to myself, I'll be honest, I was probably pretty biased. I thought there's two. And I've got my camera back. See, yeah. told you my technology it always finds a way. It always finds a way. Oh, this is um, ridiculous. Yeah, live, live TV, I, hey? Mate, live TV <laughs> does wonders. But um, yeah, I think I, 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 the da- I, on the day, I thought that uh, it, uh, that'll be two. He deserves a whack, but it was clumsy. It wasn't malicious or anything like that. But as the days have gone on, the more I think about it, I'm like, yeah, I think it lies in that three to four week mark. And I think David King was calling for six. I think six is a bit much. I think it's a bit ridiculous. Yes. We're trying to eradicate the sling tackle and the dump motion. And I'm all, I'm all for that, but I was also the only imp- under the impression we were also trying to, you know, scrap leaving the ground and bumping blokes straight in the face, you know, and we gave Cosy Pickett and McAdams two and three weeks respectively. So very different incidences, but I think the first two, the McAdams and Pickett one, I think they were, well, they were they weren't football actions. They were off the ball. Well, the Cosy Pickett one was off the ball anyway. They were off the ball, sort of just leaving the ground, targeting someone. Whereas Broads was a tackle that was just finished very clumsily. And I think he deserves his three or four. But I think the call for six is a bit ridiculous. But maybe that's being a biased Richmond supporter that really wants one of his good mm-hmm. defenders in the side. So, what what are you what are your thoughts on that one? Well, I think if you give him six, no one will ever do a bad tackle ever again. That's for sure. Um, but I think they need to make a point. I think, I think four. I think four would would be would be good. I think I think that's probably what it deserves. Like it was it was unnecessary. I think like the more you look at it, the more you like cheese. He, re- he really he really dug him into the ground, didn't he? Um, but yeah, and especially with that action, that's what we're trying to stamp out. I think I think four would be fine. Wouldn't surprise me if he only gets th- three. I think three. I think three or four has to be. It has to be one of them, I think. Um, and but yeah, and then again, I, th- I think six is probably a stretch. Um, but I think I think the mo- at the most four would be would be would be fine. And anything less than three, I think, probably isn't hard enough. Yeah, I think I think anything less than three, yeah, definitely isn't hard enough. And you're not making a statement as a league. Um, but I think anything more than four is also a stretch and almost too much of a statement where you're going too much the other way and. It's a bit, bit, just a bit ridiculous, but again, that could be me being biased. So I think, I think you're definitely going to look at that three to four range. I think anywhere in between there is probably on the money, and I'm tipping it'll be about four weeks. I reckon you'll get. I think yeah. you'll get probably the four weeks. And again, it's like I said. I think are we basing it? On, again, this incident aside, are we basing these actions too much on the outcomes? Because if we're trying to stamp these actions out, I've, I've always stood by that the the outcome should be irrelevant. Because I think the reason Cozzy Pickett got two weeks was because uh, Bailey Smith was uninjured. He was fine. He kept playing, no no issues whatsoever. But if he had have ended up in the same position and was concussed and was going to miss two or three weeks of football, Cozzy Pickett would have been given four or five weeks. Mm. So I think we should be basing it on the action and not necessarily, and not to go back to the Pickett and McAdams incident again, we're talking about broad now, but I think we should be going on the action and not the outcome. So obviously it's an unfortunate outcome with what's happened with broad. I don't, you know, want and none and broad wouldn't have wanted either. But you don't want these players being knocked out concussed because it's 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 a scary prospect um, getting concussed, especially knowing what we know these days. So you, you don't want that, obviously. But I think you've got to look more at the actions more so than the outcome. And the outcome is obviously unfortunate, but the action is what we're trying to stamp out. Yeah, well, you, well, you know, the outcome is going to either add two weeks or remove two weeks from from the from whatever it's you know, given out. So just say yeah. Oh, if Broad goes, if the player that Broad tackled doesn't get concussed, Broad probably only gets one week, doesn't he? Yeah, which again, though, I think is probably a bit ridiculous. As much as I, yeah, it is. It is. It is ridiculous. I'm not agreeing with it. Yeah, yeah, Broad needs at least three, and I. But I also yeah. think that if you were going to give Broad three, and that was the case, you've got to give Broad three if he did get concussed because it's the same action. It could be yeah. Yeah, exactly. If, if you know, if I can't remember the, the Adelaide player's name, but if he, if his head misses the ground by half an inch, half a centimeter, he doesn't hit, doesn't connect as well. 
he's not concussed and we're, it's a diff- completely different conversation we're having right now so yeah sure. i think you have to eradicate the um yeah the the outcome aspect of it dom goes given burton got two wouldn't shock me if he got five well yeah there you go see that mm-hmm. i think it, the, the mro is so inconsistent it's it's hard to say it's the matrix that he works off it's i think the the whole the whole why the ratings work, I think that just needs a big overhaul, to be honest. Yeah, they do because they're inconsistent as well. And then, yeah, is, is it still, still what, how long ago was it where it was more than one person that would decide this? Oh, it was a while ago now, I think. Yeah, it's been a while I think since, it, yeah. I think it almost needs to go back to that. Personally. I think, it, I think so. I think you can't just work off a matrix and, and deem this as. Oh yeah, careless, high, high, whatever, or whatever he bloody uses. Like it's, it's not the same yeah. for everyone. Every, every, every incident is different and unique and has its own. Yeah, like it, it, it like it has its own grading. Where I don't, I don't think you should be referring to a matrix for every single incident that happens. That's just my opinion, anyway. So. No, I agree because, like you said, everything is so different. You you can't compare one incident to the other. And I know I was just trying to do that a couple of minutes ago, but you're grading these incidences you, you you can't you can't do that and i think the matrix doesn't always work sometimes it will and sometimes it won't i think it, you could use it as a guideline sure but you i don't think we should be basing all our decisions purely off that but yeah it's probably enough about that conversation with a change of topic we've got great friend of the show yanni and for those that haven't seen yanni's episode with us it was uh i think it was our last episode for 2022 was it not so if you haven't was, seen that yeah. because it was one of our favorites for sure, but his comment today, hey guys, love the show. What do you think about McRae's comments about Collingwood supporters having a louder supporter base than Richmond? I love this. I thought it's going to invoke a lot of emotion, a lot of passion from both Richmond and Collingwood supporters. And it's it's always a massive build up to any big four rivalry, but the Richmond Collingwood one as well is, is quite big. Um, and I, I love it. I love that he said that. I don't know if I agree with it. I definitely agree that there's uh, they've got more interesting supporters, um, for, <laughs> to put it politely, than, than Richmond do. But whether or not they're they're louder or more passionate, I'm not quite sure. So, again, it's a biased opinion. So you'd have a better, probably better standpoint than me being a rival to both clubs. But uh, I, I love that he said this anyway. I think it's good for the game, a bit of banter like that, especially coming from yeah, Richmond. Yeah. Or no, exactly right. I love it. It's great. That's that's the sort of that's the sort of banter you want to see. A bit of a a bit of minor trash talk um, doesn't hurt anyone, so it's good. It's uh, it's good for the theatre of it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But it's going to be a big game. Um, it is. I'm very much looking forward to it. Yeah, it's it's huge. I think it's surely going to going to get to ninety thousand. You think? Well, you'd hope so. I mean, I, people thought the Richmond Carlton game were going to hit the uh, the ninety thousand mark, and we fell just shy. I think with eighty eight, I believe it was in the end. So. It, it honestly, I think if we get perfect weather, um, the traffic's good, going up and down punt roads, all the little things that are going to go, you know, just right um, for the crowd to hit that 90, 95,000 um, thing. But all GA is sold out at the moment. I already got my members text saying I've got to upgrade my ticket if I want to go. So um, you can't really buy tickets anymore, which is which is great. It means, you know, it's, it's looking like it's going to be a sellout, which is huge. Yeah, no, absolutely. Very much looking forward to that one. But yeah. Uh... I think that's it, mate. I think that's probably a wrap. We've uh, we've, we've discussed a, a lot of uh, a lot of big topics from round two, and we've had, had some great engagement from everyone. So thank you all for the comments. They've been been really good. So um, how good how good's footy, mate? It's it's unbelievable. And just to touch on everybody that has commented and joined us live tonight, and those that are listening after the fact as well, because obviously these episodes are posted on um, as a podcast later on. Yes, Quinn realizes we're live. Thanks for reposting that one, Marcus. Um, but yeah, yeah, going back to going back to the people that are listening and all that. If you do want to jump on at any point, um, messages throughout the week, on the day, whenever it is, because you know the more people we can get, whether you're in the comments or you jump on the stream with us, yeah, I'd love to have you all involved because I think it only makes the conversations that more that much more exciting. Exactly, yeah, because I'm getting pretty bored just talking to Quinn all the time. So uh, would love some new faces on here. Yeah, I get. Pretty monotonous, no doubt. And uh, for those that haven't seen as well, I mean, it's probably hard to miss, but below Marcus and I right here, we've got our beautiful sponsor, Gavos Freight Solutions. So thank you to Peter and the team down there at uh, GFS for sponsoring us and, you know, allowing this show to happen and 
helping the podcast grow because you've had some big changes over the off season and a lot of it um, we have to thank to uh, yeah Peter and the team. So thank you very much. And for all your freight needs, make sure you, you hit up Peter. All the details obviously below us there in the, uh, the sponsor banner below us. Awesome. All right. Well, um, I think that's it, mate. So yeah, thank you again, everyone. It's been great. And I guess we'll, uh, we'll chat at the end of round three.